thank you for joining us on Time Out with the Lord with my pastor, Dr. Mrs. Senye Obilulu Briggs, who ministers at the Chapel of God International Worship Center. Today's episode will uplift your spirit and edify your soul. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for everything that you have been doing in our lives. We thank you for bringing us together again. And we thank you because we know that you are going to bless us again. In your presence, there's liberty, there's joy, blessings we receive from you. Your grace is shown in our lives. We are very grateful. We are studying the book of Proverbs, the wise saints. Father, we pray that you grant us understanding. We come here for revelation knowledge so that you will explain deep things to us that we may not move around like simpletons, that by your power we will remain the wise children that you'll be proud of. Father, help us today. Help us in this regard that your word will enter into our hearts and will grasp the correct understanding and will rule our lives by it so that we'll become who you want us to become. Thank you, Almighty Father. And as many as will hear my voice, Lord, I pray that the power in your words will resonate in their hearts, that they will receive your word with joy to be sweet, O Lord, and the words will yield fruit in their lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Almighty Father. Holy Spirit Divine, have your way. You are the teacher. Speak and let your children listen and hear and receive your word. Thank you, Almighty Father. In Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen. Once again, I welcome all of you to today's daily manner, the explanation of which the Lord has given to us, and we'll share it, we'll receive it, and we'll be blessed. The book we're looking at is Proverbs, and the chapter is chapter 20. The Lord expounded to us the deep thoughts and wise words, the ones that were embedded in verse 1 to verse 15. And so today, I thank God for the privilege given to us to study from verse 16 to verse 30 and we'll go straight into it verse 16 says take his garment that is shorty for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman now it's a simple advice do not allow yourself to be cheated yes there's disdain for those who cheat but today we are warned here to secure our trade secure our businesses be wise Take a collateral. Do not treat lightly the benefits that you have received from God. If you have received any benefits, you're trading by it, and somebody comes and requests to buy probably without paying to pay later, and the person now uses you, the Christian, or requests for you to stand in, then you better be ready. If it fails, then you will pay for it. If you happen to be the, the Christian, in this case, the one receiving this advice, collect the collateral. Remember, we are expected to value what the Lord has given to us. When you carelessly walk and you lose what God has given to you through no fault of yours, God Almighty expects you to give that which he has given to you. Because you are not careful for it, you will pay for it. The other party will collect it and it is not a sin. You remember Esau was given the first position, but the Bible told us that he exchanged it. He had no value for it. He exchanged it for food. And the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. Actually, let's look at 15. 
and 16. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. So if you take 15 and 16 together and we bring out Esau's story inside, it's saying, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest there be a profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Jacob's gain is allowed by God. If a man is so weak and so foolish as to become a shorty or a security, you know, for anyone, and is unable to make good his payment, let him lose his garments. Especially the one standing shorty for a strange woman. A strange woman generally is the word used to refer to a prostitute. People who are untrustworthy, sinners, known, people who have dedicated themselves to do wrong. Now you now go and stand a shorty. You lose whatever it is you have placed and the creditor will seize that particular item. It may be your property or whatever it is. So the message here is talking about ill-advised use of the property God has given to us. Ill-advised use of message of the finances that God has given to us. Every good gift we have received must be treated as if truly it is God that gave it to us. We cannot be careless. If you are careless, you will suffer the consequences. Verse 17 says, Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. As they say, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. This is what the enemy whispers in our ears. It's exactly how corruption started in this world. Sometimes we give the enemy our ears and he finds a drum and he begins to beat very loud and the tune becomes well-tuned sound and the sound begins to make sense. And then all you hear is, holiness is dull. Like I was telling you about my sister who said Satan was whispering in her ears, you read Bible too much. Try and read some other books. And instantly, as he was whispering in, in her ears, she did not even allow him to enter inside her heart. And you hear, holiness is not fashionable. You are losing it. You know, sin is exciting. This is uh, nothing short of demonic propaganda. And the wise child of God should know it. That when the devil spoke to Adam and Eve, it was exactly something like this nicely and we see corruption genesis chapter 3 verse 6 and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes you see gradually is entering inside and a tree to be desired to make one wise that's already deep inside the heart your desire is in your heart she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did it. Conclusion of the matter. It has already happened. So this is a warning. Beware. Stop it at the time you think it is coming in small whispers.
verse 18, every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. This tells us that it's like there's a certainty that war, confrontation must come. And Christ also told us so. All wars we engage in, all human wars, are derived from the actual struggle between God and Satan. So before you engage in any conflict, seek counsel. Seek God's guidance through Jesus Christ. You cannot defeat the devil by yourself because he comes in so many disguised forms. If the devil was to approach anyone with one eye in the middle, you know, with fangs here and there, of course everybody will run away. He will hardly catch anyone to begin to discuss with. But he comes in a subtle manner. He comes through your best friend. He comes through your son, your wife, your partners in business. So we are being advised here. When we see confrontation, study and calculate the situation properly before you dive headlong. Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 14, 31 to 33, Or what king going to make war against another king seated not down first and consulted whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and decided conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he had, he cannot be my disciple. He was talking to people who wanted to be his disciples. And he's telling them, as you're coming, know it, that it may demand of you to forsake all that is dear to you. All. That time will come. Because there's no king that goes to battle who does not, first of all, consider the ammunition, the many men of the opponent, and then look at it, consider his own. If his own is much small, the wise one will send emissary to the other party. Let's make peace. Let's settle. That is how the world do it. So you that you are coming to the Lord so that we will not be shocked when persecution comes. You find children of God who have not wisely considered what it is before they started to say, yes, I'm born again. I'm now this. I'm now that. There are things you, are, you have to consider. Wise counsel. Listen to preachers. Read the word of God enlighten yourself know what it means if you only read for instance the red lettered words of our lord jesus christ you will see where he told you that truly persecution will come they will persecute you they will throw you into prisons so know it as you're coming so that you will not be you know overwhelmed and fall by the wayside satan was hauled down from heaven to earth there was a reason that happened. It was because there was war in heaven. So now that he's here, the war continues. The Bible says this in the book of Revelation chapter 12, 7 to 9. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and satan which deceived the whole world he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him so don't be surprised if you have said yes to the lord know it 
the devil and his angels are here. Angel Michael and the host of heaven drove them and their place was no more in heaven. So consider it from experience. War ceases when you preach the gospel. Consider that you are in a battlefront here on earth as a Christian. And the way to beat the devil is by preaching the gospel and by people accepting Christ. Because the whole war is between the devil and God. A Christian should know that he or she will be under frequent and sometimes continuous attack. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so, a Christian must have well-defined strategy. That's what this verse 18 is telling us. It would be good for you to note this. And in your own time, look at the things that Christians face and begin to write down the possible strategies that a Christian may have to employ or deploy in order to face the enemy and beat him. Because there is wisdom. When you know in advance and you strategize with great counsel from God, then you will beat him because it's no longer you. It is God in you that is fighting this fight. Verse 19 is more or less related to verse 18 of the book of Proverbs chapter 20 that we are treating. It tells us one of the mightiest weapons of the enemy. So as you're planning your strategy, it may be nice to have that. What does verse 19 of Proverbs 20 tell us? He who goes about as a talebearer refuse secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Talking about talebearers. Stay away from people who talk too much. Also, do not be a talebearer. Do not be someone who talks too much. You see, as Christians, you and I, we shouldn't be someone that people avoid. Just like we are being advised to avoid people who talk too much. People should not avoid us because we talk too much. So this is a strategy that you may want to truly adopt. Why should people avoid you? You carry light. People in the world in darkness, as they see your ray approaching, they are happy to get to you, to be acquainted with you. But when they see you, that you are such a talkative, they tend to stay away from you. That means you carry no light. We are the ones that should solve the problems of others. And they come to us. May we not be the opposites in the name of Jesus Christ. 20 says, Whoso curses his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Even the constitution of heaven clearly says it. It spells out what it calls parental respect. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. As a child of God, we are told, go and prosper, multiply, go occupy where your feet touch. It's yours. That means everything good from that place you will experience as a child of God. And it will not just be for the moment because God will sustain you, not just for that moment. But when you don't have respect for your parents, 
according to the constitution of heaven. It says these promises will not be yours. Why? God considers family. God wants family to be the nucleus of mutual love and respect. In the New Testament, our Lord Jesus Christ was very upset and he seriously put down the Pharisees who, who tried to change the law of God with their tradition. In the book of Matthew chapter 15, verse 4 to 6, Christ himself speaking, For God said through Moses, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of or insults or treats improperly father or mother, such is to be put to death. That's the amplified version. But you say, if any man say to his father or mother, whatever money or resource that I have that will help you is already dedicated and given unto God. He is not to honor his father or mother by helping them with their need. Now, what is happening here is that when men dishonor their mother and their father, and then they carry gifts and go give the mother and the father, and they say, this gift is dedicated unto God. As the parents receive the gifts, then, according to the new law they have put for themselves now, they will no longer be subject to the punishment that is required when you dishonor your mother and your father. And so Jesus Christ said, so by this, you have invalidated the word of God, depriving it of force and authority and making it of no effect for the sake of your tradition handed down by the elders. And so, of course, the advice is that we should do everything to honor our parents. Verse 21 of Proverbs chapter 20. An inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. When you hastily collect your inheritance. Inheritance normally comes after death. Is that not so? Then you inherit. Okay. So when you collect your inheritance in haste, the end shall not be blessed. It's the word of God. Verse 21. Some parents don't fulfill their golden assignments. And so children grow up and when they meet God's love in later life, they don't understand it. You find that children who are a blessing today, tomorrow, they become a curse. May the faults not be from us, either the parents or our children, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You remember the story of the prodigal son told by Jesus Christ? That is a typical example of an inheritance gotten hastily. If you notice now, every teaching in the New Testament has already been spoken of in the Old Testament. The, the man in the book of Luke chapter 15 where we have the story of the prodigal son. In verse 12 he says Father give me my share of the estate. He was very clear what he wanted. He knew that his father's estate belonged to the children. He wanted his own quickly. He looked at what his father had. He didn't think of what he could make by himself. But he had looked beyond up to a time when it would become his. Now, when you keep placing your eyes in something that is in the hand of another person, if you do not remove your eyes, eventually you may even want to kill. You will do everything to collect it. And so let us learn not to put our focus in what has not been given to us. An inheritance gotten wrongly. At first, even its latter end 
is not blessed. Again, when your money is not the produce of industry, blessing usually is not in them. Except the person giving it to you blesses you. Then a gift becomes a blessing. But when you scheme and you collect, you may collect and it may be useful to you that day, that hour, maybe that season. But in life, there are many more seasons ahead. And so the word of God is warning us clearly, children of God, that we may not receive salvation and find our lives, you know, turning the other way. It's not intended to be so. We are supposed to grow from grace to grace, from glory to glory, and our lives, you know, be pleasant to God. And men will see us and want to be like us, as to know who our God is. Verse 22, say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. Vengeance is God's exclusive prerogative. Vengeance belongs to God. Yes, we are offended. We are dealt with nastily. But as a child of God, you carry the spirit of God in you. It takes a lot to be vengeful because it comes from deep down. You have to build, spend so much time thinking of the weapons to use. Vengeance is not for you. Only God knows how to do it. No matter how offended you are. The Bible is telling us it is mine to avenge. And he said it in so many places. Yes, today they may have power to deal. But the Lord is saying that their foot shall slide. Error is their portion. Mistakes. So there is no need for you now to want to be like them. And take in evil inside your heart. Plan and begin to do, you know, become even treacherous. One thing leads to another. In the New Testament, Peter, in his epistle, the first epistle, chapter 3, verse 9, he said, no, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. What you sow, you will reap. Do not render evil for evil. Somebody does you something bad and you retaliate. Don't do so. Or they abuse you with words of mouth. Say, no, this one shall. I hear Christians say, let's put Jesus aside. How do you survive without Christ? How? The minute you put him down, you have told the devil, here I am. You can take me, you can use me, you can treat me as you like. So let us know what we are doing. Let no temptation come such that people abuse you, abuse you, and say, no, I can't take this one. No, I cannot take it. And you also abuse the person. Abuse should not come from your mouth. Instead, blessings. Because you are called to bless. That's what you are called to do. If people are nasty, the Lord has already said what will happen to them. He said their foot shall slide. God has said it. So it is for you to know that the word of God will give you peace. For you know that even as they are jumping all over themselves, coming to attack you, their next step is fall. You know it. You are looking. You are seeing it. But for they will fall. The word of God is the word of God. It shall come to pass as he has said it. So you read the word of God, you encourage yourself in it. And you don't panic. You stand certain that what he has said concerning the enemy will surely come to pass. Again, in the book of Proverbs, it says, trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Lead not unto thy own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. We know this passage. In all things let's just learn to trust God. 
Verse 23, diverse weights are an abomination unto the Lord, and a false balance is not good. Now, this advice is not going to the unbeliever that is a trader. Because when we see such things, we always think of people who are dealing with us. We always look at other people. The message is for you and I. Cheating someone is not good. Cheating someone who has cheated us does not settle the score. Because someone cheats you, do not cheat him. We have opportunity to do everything. The Bible says, as a Christian, I can do all things. All things. There's nothing you want to do, you cannot do. But not all things are expedient. That you see someone who has fallen for you does not mean you should cheat the person. It only adds injury one to another. Verse 24 says, Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? There's a proverb that says, In a man's heart, he plans his cause, but the Lord determines his steps. Because a cause, meaning from beginning to the end, you wake up, I shall go to the market first, then from the market, I'll go to the, uh, the bank and deposit the money that I have sold, and then from there, I'll go and visit my son, and then I'll come back, and then I'll go to, you know, it's a cause. You have mapped it out. But the steps you take, one after the other, it is God that determines it. Because by the time you get to your first point where you have to finish and make a left turn as you have determined in your heart, in your cause, you will see that there's a roadblock there. Something happens and the purpose of going there may not even exist again. That is the power of God. And so it is advisable that we understand the nature of man, understand the nature of God. Know yourself and know your God. Man is not programmed to follow a course from which no deviation is possible. There is no such thing. You may not finish where you plan to finish. And that's why when we plan, a wise one will say, as the Lord wills, let the will of God be done. It is not your will. Again, this is connected to verse 25. It's a snare to a man who devoured that which is holy, and after vows to make inquiries. It is after you finish, then you start to ask questions. You finish planning. I'll do it this way. I'll do it that way. And then when you finish everything, then you say, hey, is that actually what I was supposed to have done? Because in the business of the day that you have taken, you have only suddenly realized that it was not supposed to be so. Then you begin to calculate, try to plan how to go about it. You are not planning. You are now asking at that point. It is not supposed to be so. You see, we are all learning these things. It seems responsible to look at things in an analytical manner. That is, we weigh the pros and cons. But that which is correct is not in our ability to actually weigh the pros and cons. But it is in our consulting God in everything that we do. Instead of doing first and then coming later to ask questions about it. Because probably it has gone sour. That's the time people have your attention. Today, nothing is happening. We are begging people, come and listen to the word of God. Until we finish our cause. And then at the end, when things don't go well, that's the time that we now come Hey, where did I go wrong, Seth? 
what should I have done? Che, I should not have. Our God is a merciful God, but he's more a loving father. And that is why we are being subjected to these teachings so that we become wise in our actions, in our decisions, in our daily lives. And we not just plan nicely, but we consult God, the one who has the full picture, instead of relying on the light of a vision that does not reveal the future. Because when we are planning, truly we see, we plan, and we say, okay, I'm going to invite 10 people to come and eat. 10 people, where are they going to sit? Okay, we have to have 10 chairs. You're planning. You have a vision. They are coming. Okay, when they come, where will they park car? Then you think of providing. You provide a car park. You do everything. Somebody has to escort them. So, okay, you must determine one person who will stand at the gate to bring them. These are plans based on the vision that you can see, the extent you can see. But you cannot see more than you are seeing. And what you are seeing is not the only thing that may affect you on that day. For instance, you may not see rain. You may not even see that there may be a government order, that there will be no movement on that day. You may not see that. But we have a God who sees better than everything our vision shows to us. He reveals the future. And if you follow him and you plan with him, he directs you. At the end of the day of your activity, you will say, hey, thank God we did it on this day, oh. You know, we were planning, it was supposed to be like this. But thank God we did. Ha, what if we had done it so, so time? What if, because those days you have now seen that they were not ideal. And so wisdom says, take counsel from the almighty God. This is not an advice that means that you should leap in the dark. No, faith is not a leap in the dark. As some people who are lazy may think. It is that you put your trust in God to know that light will shine at a place where you have to take your next step. You are trusting him and that trust, it means you believe him and you are obeying him. You are trusting him and he tells you it has to be this even when it does not make sense. At that time, you are trusting him. You know that it is the Lord that has directed you so. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path praise the lord verse 26 talks about a wise king scattereth the wicked and bringeth the will over them what the king does with the wicked the Im image we have here is that of a threshing floor in which grain is separated from shaft. You know, grain is covered by shaft. That which is useful is inside, and that which is useless is on the outside. Now, the purpose of this act is to get the best out of a situation. This is not necessarily talking about the separation of the time when Christ will come and take his people. These are wise words that will guide us here. The purpose here is to get the best out of someone that is not showing forth his best. How to get the best out of the wicked. In the world today, we have correction centers. It used to be called prisons and it was for punishment. Today, they change the language because 
man is having a thought now that when somebody offends, he has done bad, the place the person should be kept, the person should eventually come out a better person. And so in the correction centers, they are teaching them, you know, how to, to work. Some people are coached to become better people in life so that they can fit in properly into society. A lot of them are taught, they read and pass exams. Some handwork is taught them. They learn how to sew. They come out, they become better people, showing that there is good in the life of every human being. You remember the discussion between our Lord Jesus Christ and Peter in Luke 22. He called him. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired you and he has sifted you. Like, you know, sifter, sieve. The devil, we must understand in this passage. Let's, let's read it properly. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Now, verse 32. I have prayed for you so that your faith will not fail. So when you are strengthened, also strengthen the brethren. So what we are seeing here is that the person that is trying to destroy is the devil. His plan is to break. Satan was not interested in bringing out the real kennel of Peter's life. No, that was not Satan's interest at all. But Jesus Christ was interested in the good that will come out. And so he allowed the enemy to use his awful style, manner, not decent, not pleasant. Yes, not pleasant. In order to bring out that which is of value in Peter. And so sometimes we see ourselves like that. We go through things that are not nice. But the Bible tells us that we will not be tempted more than we can withstand. At the end of the day, we come out shining. It's like gold put in fire. When you come out, all the black things around you, gone. And you are shining bright. At that time, be useful to the brethren. So when you are going through anything, look forward to coming out stronger. Say it to yourself. I did it to myself. I said it. And I ministered. And there were children of God who had the same understanding. Who did not call me to just pray for me as if I, I was powerless. As if the power of God was not it. There are some people who pray and just make you feel weaker. And they, they portray what you are facing as if it will swallow you up. By the grace of God, the Lord sent his children, like Jesus Christ sent Peter. When you come out of it, strengthen the brethren. He sent people, his children, who will call me and say, say be strong. The Lord is with you. No matter what is happening, you will come out stronger, better. Men will know that there is a God in heaven that takes care of his children. When you hear such words, you know, especially when you have put all your trust in God. And the next step you are taking, you are trusting God that even this next step, God is in it. That is your faith. And so sometimes if you come across situations, you have looked into your life. It is not by what you have done wrong, but by the devil trying to play pranks. Know it that Jesus Christ already has prayed for you. You will come out of it better. You come out of it stronger in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 27. The spirit of man is a candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2.11. For what man 
knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. And so we see that the spirit of God, the Bible also tells us that for us to say with our mouth that we are children of God, it's so nice for us to say it. We love to say it. But our spirit knows us. It is our spirit that agrees with the spirit of God, not the words we say. Because each and every one of us would want to be associated with God. In fact, we can just be going around. God told me last night when I was just on my bed, God was speaking to me. You know, it's not a problem. You can say anything you like, but it is your spirit that tells you the truth. Your spirit knows and your spirit cannot be deceived because the spirit searches inside you every part of your life. Your spirit knows and it is your spirit that communicates with the spirit of God and you know that you are a child of God or you are not a child of God. Jeremiah prophesied in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But read verse 10, I the Lord search the hearts. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So what you are saying, the smile on your face does not move the spirit of God. The words that you say, he searches the heart. From the heart, he knows how to repay. He knows how to bless you. What is in your heart at this hour? Satan may actually do the sifting, but it is the spirit of God who gathers the fruits of our lives and he packages it. We we'll do well to allow Holy Spirit to do the packaging of our hearts. Verse 28. Verse 28 talks about love and faithfulness. Proverbs 20 verse 28. And truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness he upholds his throne. Loving kindness, truth. Those are the Hebrew words actually used to describe the two we have there. The reign of an earthly king should be characterized by loving kindness and by truth. And it is only upon such that God, you know, will demonstrate his grace. Such easily see the grace of God. There are some people who keep praying, I can't find the grace of God. God has given you the grace to do it. God has, I don't have the grace to do it. No. Loving kindness and truth, let those be what you are characterized by, especially if you are on top of people, if you are leading people, be you parents, be you bosses in offices or rulers in the real sense, the traditional setting, wherever. So far you have people under you. Let loving kindness be that which you are known by and truth. Then you will experience God's grace. Things become easy. You are able to just get things done. Before you say them, they are done. Ah, and then when, when they ask you, of course, it cannot be me. It is by the grace of God. 29 talks about young men and their strength, as well as the beauty that we find in the old men. The wise thing would be to incorporate both because the Lord has promised as you grow older, he says he will renew your strength. And we have seen the people that God really use, that those things that were supposed to be naturally depleting as you grow older. They no longer have such natural powers to become, to, to be applicable in the lives of men and women that God 
uses. So the secret is that these two characteristics of the young and their strength and the wisdom of the old, all are for you, the child of God, that has truly offered himself or herself to the Almighty God to use. Because God will continue to renew you. He needs you. There's still so much, so much to be done. There's still so much, so many that have not seen, that are looking to see this invisible God in your life, in your character. So people are testifying, you know, that Joseph Prince, that as the days go by, the man is looking younger. Yes. And I want that to be my portion. I want to look younger in the name of Jesus Christ. Not just younger by looks, but in strength. Things I was not able to do in my 20s, 30s. Today, I should be able to do them. As I grow older, my capacity should increase. Because God is ancient of days. And he, 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 he does at the beginning what he's doing at the end. He is God. He doesn't change. We used to see how in the scriptures, if you read, people lived up to 800, 900 years. And then gradually started coming down. We now started seeing 120. Now people are satisfied with 80. Because they can't even see the much work that is in front of them. I see quite a lot of things to do. And may we all see, and not just see, but see and actually move our bodies to do things as the Lord grants us the grace. Amen. Wisdom and maturity are the characteristics of the adults. And the young ones, like Timothy, who was young compared to the rest of them, Paul told him, let nobody despise your age, oh. Everything that you have heard, take it, do it, leave it. And whatever God has put in me, you carry it. So it is a doable thing. Nothing is impossible with God. We need to bridge that gap and collect all. The young and old, honor and majesty belong to the children of God. Finally, verse 30. Okay, blows that hurt, cleans away evil. Just as the stripes also cleans the inner depths of the heart. Now, this is a verse that the world has totally deleted from the Bible. And it is happening so because every good thing, Satan tries to adulterate. And so you find people who use corporal punishment and kill. It's wickedness. It turns to wickedness. Corporal punishment actually makes the conscience to be more aware of moral failures. Because moral failures are different. They deserve corporal punishment at that time and the person must know that the person is being punished for such and usually it leads to confession the bible tells us that pain serves a purpose and so far you know what purpose you want to derive then corporal punishment is allowed and that which you want to derive must be in line with the scriptures not murder not destruction god has not called us to destroy he has not called us to kill he has not called us to dehumanize. No. He has called us to love. And that's why it's advisable. If you are giving corporal punishment, do not give it at the time of the offense. So that you do not act in anger. But let the purpose be determined. And you use corporal punishment, it will give you the purpose that God has said. Pain serves a purpose. So when you unplug spanking, there's a lot of things you are opening you are opening up the kind of evil that you will not be able to control again. So this is a warning to us. It is the word of God. My prayer is that all these things that we have talked about, there are many. 
So please refer to them from time to time and the Spirit of God will even expand them for us. Thank you all for listening. May God bless you all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We believe you've been blessed by listening to this episode of Time Out with the Lord with Dr. Mrs. Senye Obi Lulu Briggs. You can join our daily meetings on Zoom and Skype by logging on to our website at www.timeoutwiththelord.com. For daily messages and encouragement, you can also add us on WhatsApp with the number plus 447506693440. For more information, please call 084-555-188 or 084-554-430. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays by 10 a.m. at the Chapel of God International Worship Center at number 22 Forces Avenue, OGRA, Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Remember, you are God's most beloved.